everyone, and welcome to another episode of Chillin' in the State House. I am Andrew Ball, one half of the Topeka Capital Journal's State House team, and oh boy, is the State House about ready to get a lot less chill. But don't worry, we always bring the chill everywhere we go. And by we, I mean myself and Jason Tidd, my better half. Jason, how are you, sir? Doing well, just uh, trying to get chill for the weekend and charge back up before a legislative session starts on monday it's going to be a busy week uh right john it is it's going to be a fantabulously busy week um and so this is really these are the last chill moments we get in the state house that voice you hear john Hanna, the associated press our esteemed co-host uh, I think we can call you at this point. Yes, yes. I bet on enough that I, I accept the title and the great responsibility that goes with it. Well, we we certainly appreciate that. and uh, the, the title comes with no compensation. <laughs> like many things in journalism. Like many things in journalism, yes. Well, and so we're heading, uh, by the time you listen to this on Monday, January 9th, uh, hopefully it will go live a couple hours before high noon. We will be outside preparing to freeze our butts off if Except it's too It won't cold. be freezing. It'll be, I think it'll be about 50 degrees. Okay, it'll be so it appropriately might be, chill. Yes, it will be chill, but not miserable. That's And that's really what we're going for. Uh, high noon, the governor, Laura Kelly, will be sworn in for a second term. She will deliver her inaugural address, and then on Wednesday evening, she will uh, do it all over again, giving a big speech, uh, the State of the State address, her fifth. Thursday, her budget proposal will be unveiled, and amid all that, the legislature will gavel back in for its annual legislative session. We are here this week. Last week, we rung, uh, rung and, out. And lest we not forget, Chris Kobach will be attorney general and working in the attorney general's office yes all statewide officers will also get sworn in on yes. monday so including uh the ag elect who yes i guess by the time you listen to this will be close to not being elect anymore um last week we we rung out 2022 this week let's ring in 2023 by previewing the big issues and Jason, boy, I know the one you've been uh, uh, tracking the closest has to do with uh, how the legislature might be uh, leaving maybe a little more money in, in the wallets of Kansans if they can agree on <laughs> how to do that. Yeah, what's the two certainties in life, death and taxes? Well, the one certainty in this legislative session is that there will be plenty of tax cuts to go around. Uh, we just might have to wait until the end of session to find out what's in the package. Uh you can go to cjonline.com to read all about it, but there are several tax proposals this session. Uh, I know, John, you are interested in the flat tax idea. Yeah. The Americans for Prosperity has backed that. The Kansas Chamber today uh, had they, they announced their agenda, and the flat tax was on there. Uh, Kansas currently, for individual income, has three brackets. Uh, with the top level a 5.7 percent i think uh, we do not know what the rate in the flat tax proposal will be uh, and then for business income it's a seven percent tax right in two stages uh, uh there's a four percent tax and then a three percent surcharge on incomes above a certain amount yeah it's it's interesting this has been a uh a perennial uh 
on the right, this has been a perennial idea that's been out there. Uh, Mike Huckabee, the former governor of Arkansas, when he, I think it was him when he ran for president, he talked about having an income tax that was simple enough to fill out a return on a postcard. I think Paul Ryan, the former House Speaker, was, that was, Paul a, Ryan? was also a big champion of that idea. Yeah, a, I, mo- I a rem- lot of conservatives are. I still remember, was it Herman Cain who ran on a 999? Yes, for president on a 999. This is a very popular idea on the right. Um, the arg- One of the arguments being simplicity. Uh, Senate President Ty Masterson, the Wichita area Republican who's in charge of the Senate, said that's a... Uh, one idea, he also argues that it will boost the economy, um, and I think he was citing a study, if I remember correctly, who did the study that people included Art Laffer, the the well-known celebrity conservative economist. Who was responsible for uh, touting uh, uh, supply-side economics, yeah, right? The, the Brownback, Sam Brownback. Yes, he was, uh, he, uh, he... I don't, he came here in 2012, and he was testifying in favor of uh, kind of the march to zero, as Brownback called it, and um, it was kind of the the conservative political equivalent of a rock star, uh, sort of their sort of their Kurt Cobain so or Mick Jagger groupies for oh groupies is a little strong but you know the no women were bearing their chests uh, i don't think they went that far but you know they were quite they, they, he he can got I say, a pretty say that on air <laughs> he, he got a out. pretty enthusiastic re- reception from especially from conservative republicans and of course he is sort of the 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 guru of the idea of phasing out the income tax and um, the idea of, you know, you can boost economic activity and revenues by cutting taxes. Um, <clears throat> of, of course, uh, the Kansas tax experiment uh, had was followed by quite persistent budget shortfalls. Well, and I think we don't, we, uh, it's way too soon. We don't have any fiscal sure. estimates on a flat income tax, but uh, it would be interesting to to evaluate the impact uh, that would have as well. Jason, one other big priority for Republicans is actually an area that seems like they might be able to work something out with the governor on, uh, and that is taxes on retirement income. Yeah, so Social Security benefits currently have a $75,000 cliff. Uh, if you, if all of your income as a retiree is at or below, or I think below only uh, $75,000, uh, your Social Security benefits are not taxed. But if, you, but if you're going Thelma and Louise style over the cliff... Then the entirety of your Social Security benefit is taxed at state income tax levels. Uh, the retirement income taxes... Uh, gained a lot of uh, publicity during the campaign season. Derek Schmidt was campaigning on a retire tax-free plan. That is no longer what is being pushed. Uh, Republicans, uh, Karen Tyson, the Senate tax chair, and Adam Smith, the House tax chair, are both on board with addressing the Social Security cliff. Uh, Governor Laura Kelly has also proposed a way to address the cliff. 
So that is one area that has bipartisan support. Yeah, but uh, when the debate begins, would it it would not be shocking to see conservatives propose the the more aggressive tax cut, uh, something like all benefits, Social Security mm-hmm. benefits. There also been you know just the retire free. That idea has actually been floated a couple of times. Well, I think back to the twenty twenty one big tax bill where in the Senate. I mean, we, I think we, at the time we described it, uh, the common parlance, as a Christmas tree bill where everyone hangs their little ornaments on. And, and that bill, I think, quickly ballooned from from doing away with the Social Security cliff to just, uh, yeah, that elimination. It, it ballooned from like $200 million over uh, three years in, in savings to, I don't know if I'm recalling correctly, like a billion and a half. Right. It, uh, in the span of a couple hours, it... Uh, it <laughs> gathered steam and, and all that does is it sh- it goes to show that there are just when you when you start talking about tax cuts there are just lots and lots of ideas out there and all of them in terms of saving somebody who should save money in your mind or it, it, they're all good ideas in terms of saving people money um you know the issue always is well what what taxes do you have to keep that actually cover the cost of government services and programs and universities and all that. And for her part, when Laura Kelly announced her uh, three-pronged tax plan, she said that she she basically forecasted that the legislature would come up with some irresponsible, in her view, tax (laughs) policies. When we asked her what an example would be, she cited the retire tax-free plan. It's it's interesting these debates over the years, um, because what what has ended up happening in Kansas is is you get into these cycles. Not predicting that it will happen this time, but you get into these cycles where the legislature comes in and cuts tax rates or eliminates a certain kind of tax or something like that, and then a few years later, when revenue growth slows down, then they come back and and adjust upward. They do a tax increase that you know we it, it, bill graves in 1998 pushed a bunch of big tax cuts through in 2002 the legislature was back to fill a budget deficit um you know we went through some of that under sebelius not quite to the same degree but then there was a budget shortfall for following the great recession Another tax increase, Sam Brownback, the march to zero on income taxes. Uh, the next few years, we're, we're figuring out what other taxes to increase to fill in the budget gap. So, you know, there's always been a hesitancy. It's always, it's always been described as gimmicky. But in theory, you could just put all the money in a pot and give and send checks to people. Uh, Alaska does that out of its some kind of fund that's that collects oil revenues and they send a check every year or most years. Um, well, the governor proposed some sort of rebate plan last year. $250 per filer, basically. Republicans basically wrote it off as a campaign year gimmick. And of note, uh, she is not proposing that this year. Well, uh, and, and, and what's interesting, on the one hand, it is arguably a gimmick. There's always been a question about, well, how much is it going to cost to administer that? How many state employees does it take, et cetera? But the value of that approach is that people 
know they got a tax cut because they have a physical check or an electronic deposit. They know they got a tax cut. Whereas if you just, for example, cut income tax rates, you know, they may or may not, they may or not may not feel that. So, I mean, remember the relief COVID relief checks that people got during the pandemic. Um, they came, I mean, the ones during the Trump administration came with his signature on them. So if I'm recalling correctly, so, you know, it was like you understood who, <laughs> who was supposedly giving you this money. And, and the, in Alaska, people are very aware of how much they're getting. And, you know, if it starts to drop, they get mad. Well, and, uh- Circling back to kind of what you were saying about thinking to the future on revenues not being quite as rosy, that's kind of the logic Republicans are sticking to and why they do not want to speed up uh, the elimination of the food sales t- statewide food sales tax, which is a subject we've talked <clears throat> about a lot on this show. But the governor is very much uh, doubling down on wanting that done immediately, and Republicans aren't really having it. Yeah, if uh, if she hasn't already done it, Governor Laura Kelly might be coming to a grocery store near you. Uh, can can we get in the next tour? Can we get polka music to go with the mariachi band? Yeah, uh, if you are an avid listener of Chilling in the State House, and as you should, you should be, be uh, you will have you will remember back in June when we opened with mariachi music instead of our normal podcast music. Surely, there's like a German grocery store with a polka band. I like that you guys said the same phrase at the same time and it's like when you, you're married to someone at some point you kind of start sounding alike that's <laughs> kind of what's happened here but go on uh, yeah, so uh the food sales tax if you listen to the rhetoric during campaign season the food sales tax was already axed but uh the state has a 6.5 percent sales tax the on food items but not restaurant food the 6.5% dropped to 4% on January 1st. Unless you went to some Walmart stores. In the yes, it, it, you can read more about that on CJ Online, <laughs> but Walmart messed it up and some customers got double taxed. Check your receipt if you went to and, Walmart and Kansas want their on January 1st. Back. Uh, if you wait until next January 1st, your food sales tax will be 2%, and you have to wait until January 1st, 2025 for it to go to 0%. Again, I am struck by the, the interesting part of this debate is th- there is another side to this debate overall on the sales tax, and this is a position taken by the Conservative Tax Foundation. It's been floated here and there over the last 30-plus years, and the I- one idea is to eliminate most or all exemptions to the sales tax and then lower the rate. So for example, you would tax groceries, but you would tax a lot of other things. And, and, you know, at one point in the, I want to say the late eighties, Florida tried under a Republican governor, Florida tried an experiment in taxing services and that argument has been floated and the idea is you tax all this stuff that's not taxed now and you can raise the same revenue with a much lower sales tax rate, perhaps to two and a half percent. If this economic theory were a hit song, the refrain would be broaden the base, lower the rate. Right. Exactly. <laughs> that is the mantra. Broaden the base, 
Lower the rain. Hey, is that is that the follow up to uh, to uh, back on track? Won't go back. <laughs> <laughs> yes, I think it is. Um, but uh, Laura Kelly wants to make the food sales tax go to zero percent April first. House Democrats are on board with that. Leadership for Republicans have expressed no interest in doing that. Uh, we will see if it happens. There are some other sales tax proposals. Uh, Laura Kelly suggested a uh, school su- school supply sales tax holiday in August. Uh, Virgil Peck, a Republican from Havana, the number two senator on tax That's policy. That's Havana, Kansas, by the way, folks. <laughs> yes, he, there's, there's some irony in Virgil Peck being from a city named for the Cuban capital. It, it, if you want to understand the irony more, Google his name and helicopter and feral hog. <laughs> uh, <laughs> the other sales tax proposal is... Uh, what is sometimes called a pink tax, uh, feminine hygiene products and diapers are taxed at the 6.5% state sales tax rate. Uh, Laura Kelly is suggesting exempting that from both state and local sales taxes. That is something that Vic Miller, the Topeka Democrat and, and now House Minority Leader has also suggested, but he wants it to be on all hygiene products, not just feminine ones. And Republican Derek Schmidt also backed a version of that during campaign season. So we'll see. What, what would there. the definite? I'm, I'm. What would the definition of hygiene products be? Well, would that be like shaving cream, or would it be like condoms? Well, if you go to cjonline.com, read my tax story, and go to the section that talks about a pink tax, I believe I have linked there a draft of the governor's proposal, uh, and that would lay it out. Uh, I'm sure you can find back when Vic Miller had his version, it would also have definitions in there. Well... I think this is one of the two biggest issues that will be in the legislative session. And I think probably the other one, and it's one that we haven't actually heard talked about as much the last couple of years because of the August 2nd constitutional amendment vote, but but that's abortion. Um, the voters uh, resoundingly rejected that constitutional amendment, but it uh, the issue is one that seemingly never goes away in Kansas. There are already rumors that Republicans will try and uh, almost kind of like as a legal test balloon, introduce a 15-week abortion ban, try and pass it, get it into law, presumably over the veto of the governor, and use it as a test case to test where kind of the line that the Kansas Supreme Court will draw in applying the uh, the Hodes decision and that uh, the state constitution uh, protects uh, a right to an abortion. So, you know, we're, we're kind of uh, in an interesting territory where the voters have weighed in, the court has weighed in, but legislators are still kind of trying to decide how they want to attack this issue. Right, John? Yes. Well, and, and as we talked last week, the vote settled probably that, that a large majority of Kansans don't want to enable the legislature to ban abortion but it didn't settle exactly where and where you would draw the line, where they want the line drawn. So, and then the court itself hasn't hasn't really drawn a, a 
started drawing firm lines, it did uh, it did allow the lower courts to block uh, a ban on the most common second trimester abortion procedure. Uh, clinic regulations for specifically abortion providers are on hold, and also a ban on doctors using tele- teleconferencing with abortion patients who are seeking medication abortions. Those are all on hold, and and so obviously the legislature is hoping that despite the standards this court set in that opinion, which suggested that it would be difficult to get restrictions um many restrictions past the court past court scrutiny they're kind of hoping that the court will start setting some lines that will allow firmly allow some restrictions but doing that takes time um it 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 takes a you know because you're mounting a court challenge and it's going through the lower court and then there may be the court of appeals and stuff before it gets to the supreme court which you know, that's a process of a year to 18 months to get a ruling at least. Well, um, and it's a tough, I, I think it'll be an interesting and potentially tough sell for legislators to pass a bill that there's a very real possibility will never for a single second take effect in Kansas. You know, if a 15 week ban were passed, uh, it would be challenged almost immediately, you know, and, and the cost to defend that in court would be substantial. And, you know, if you're a fiscal conservative, that could be a tough argument to make. You also can make the argument that, you know, it, it is a, a worthy way of spending money, but uh, it will be interesting to see how that plays out. And, you know, thinking about uh, other areas the legislature might go, there are also strong rumors of what is called a born alive bill, uh, that was on the ballot in Montana and is on the books. Yeah, that's that, that, that failed in Montana. That's a law that essentially tells doctors that they have an obligation to uh, save the life of newborns, basically, even if the birth is the comes after a botched abortion. It's it's largely symbolic, right? State um, state statute already requires that, and, right? And um, and the fact is, the circumstances that this is meant to prevent are rare if non-existent. So, I mean, this is, when you, when you talk about abortion, and, and I'm struck by this on the 15-week ban, too, that's out there, there's both actual practical legislating and then there's symbolic slash political legislating. And so, for example, a 15-week ban, the, the possible value of doing that is that then you get you you force the court either to say yes this is acceptable then you get that restriction or the court says no and you can go to voters and say see we warned you this kind of thing would happen do you want to reconsider well and thinking about money jason i know another area that has been talked about a lot by anti-abortion groups is putting more money uh into a state program that helps mothers bring their babies to term and also supports crisis pregnancy centers uh, AP style recently changed. So uh, crisis pregnancy centers, you may have heard them called, or pregnancy resource centers. Which is AP the term. AP style is now, I believe, anti-abortion uh, uh, counseling center, or to put uh, crisis pregnancy center into quotes. So I am doing air quotes for you. Uh, <laughs> the, which, the, the point is to make sure that people understand that part of the mission is 
is to discourage or talk people out of getting abortions. Right. And what, what is the current dollar amount that goes to that fund? And it, it, well, it's the, the, the Stan... The Senator Clark? Stan Clark Pregnancy Maintenance Initiative. And it's not very much money. It's only like $339,000 a year. And two-thirds of that doesn't go... To, uh, if I'm recalling correctly, there were only two or three organizations on the list of grants that operate a, a center... Two, yeah. Two, yeah, that's um, right, two. One in Wichita, I believe, and then one in uh, Arc City, Arkansas City. And and so what's interesting is all through the Brownback administration that this pot of money didn't get bigger, um, given the... I believe there were proposals under the Parkinson administration to basically cut the, the program, if I recall. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, you're looking at me with a blank stare. <laughs> yeah, I'm. I'm. It, yes, I. It, you know, the years run together, but that that was probably out there. But the money has kept has stayed in the budget. At one point, I think at one point it peaked at about half a million dollars and then dropped back down. But I mean, you're looking at. I mean, for example, consider Missouri, which has, I think, seven or eight million dollars dedicated to this in funding, plus a ta- an income tax credit for donors to these to both the centers and what are known as maternity homes. And so this really has been an area that the anti-abortion folks have, they've been promoting these centers, they've been talking them up, they've been, you know, encouraging people to look at them as a resource. But there has not been a lot of state funding going toward them. And in some cases, the centers would like don't want the entanglement with the state. Um, in other cases, they do. And, and the tax credit helps with that because it's it's a it encourages people to donate to the center so it, it, what's interesting is the the story that was related to me by an anti-abortion leader in Missouri was that the, they first got the tax credit there because their Democratic governor wanted to lower the sales tax on food and anti-abortion legislators got together and saw a chance to leverage that desire into a tax credit and that's how it worked out so i was just struck by the the weird parallels there we've Um, also heard talk of addressing adoption making it easier i believe to adopt or cheaper to adopt but i have not seen any draft legislation on what that would be not yet uh, but well and plenty of time yet and and that is i mean one could argue and people have argued that that's a laudable goal outside of the abortion debate. It does raise the question of whether women who are now having abortions would not, if they knew that it would be easier to put the child up for adoption, the kind of the study data or the discussions I've seen, no, that's not the, that's not what is driving a woman's decision on abortion. It it tends to be, more economic factors or they just don't feel it's you know and while our democratic governor has made it pretty clear that she would not be looking to sign any abortion restrictions she has touted adoption increases under her administration so that could potentially be usually in the context of defending the embattled department of children department for children and families i I think uh, you could change that to perpetually embattled well she I mean, it, argue, I mean, yeah. it's been. I mean, if if 
it's been embattled on and off probably throughout its history because it's got a very difficult job. Well, if you uh, wanted to read more about that, we have another story for you at cjonline.com about Governor Laura Kelly's talking about uh, the child welfare system, how it will never be problem free. Well, kind of the final. Which nobody, which is kind of like saying the soft part out loud. A little bit, but. I mean, it, it, there is a kernel of truth in that. You're dealing with broken families and children and families in crisis. And, you know, a lot of these decisions are being made in this, you know, quickly. And, and they're, you know, it's ba- they're influences by your personal experiences. They are all judgment calls. And and it is just it is enormously difficult work. It's also not the answer that parents and advocates. No, think we're no, you don't for. want to hear that. You, you know, one one mistake involving a child, you know, is like two mistakes too many. Um, well, and we should say real real quick that will be on the very much on the table for legislators. Um, there's kind of a House committee that is that is really zeroing in on uh, yeah. on foster care. So. Definitely, and another one on another one on welfare reform, mm-hmm. right? That'll definitely be. I think uh, the new House Speaker Dan Hawkins. That, that's going to be. A it will be priority. interesting to see what they come up with. Yeah, um, I think the final big issue is one that we very well might not see any action on at all, and that is medical marijuana. The most chill issue in the state the, house. Well, recreational marijuana. The jokes would be chiller. The jokes write themselves. Yes, the chances that it could pass might go up in smoke. The, Andrew came back smelling the chillest after going on a tour with lawmakers uh, about a month ago. <laughs> at a growing and, facility. And the, and, and the highway patrol did not stop you at the entrance to the I state did not. I know. I Given was, your long hair. I really. But I don't was, think you were wearing flannel that day. I was not, and I think that probably saved me. Yes. Um, well, to Jason's point, the medical marijuana issue is very much a live one. It's been something that... Uh, the thought was over the interim, lawmakers would do some research on, they toured that growing facility, and maybe come up with a, uh, a bill that could gain some traction in the Senate where it has really struggled uh, under the under the uh, uh, tutelage of Senate President Ty Masterson. Um, the, the, general, the general wariness toward uh, medical legalizing use of marijuana for medicine medical reasons is that 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 inevitably leads to recreation legalization of recreational use and and there's a lot of truth in that well and i think also there are a lot of pointing at other states oklahoma is a frequent example that have maybe been a bit more aggressive in the kind of framework they've set up for medical marijuana, uh, uh, liberal, maybe loose in, in the framework they've set up for medical marijuana. And, you know, the, the thought is we don't want to be that we want to, you know, a narrower uh, framework, but the, you know, the, the narrower framework is kind of never agreed upon that there seemed to be maybe some real momentum in 2021 when the house passed a bill uh, for the first time ever, it kind of hasn't gone anywhere, and, and advocates for medical cannabis got potentially another roadblock thrown their way earlier this week when Senator Rob Olson, a Olathe Republican who has been very involved in this, said he's going to write the bill on this, uh, will not be chair of Senate Federal and State Affairs, which is the committee that handles weed, uh, along with a lot of other legislation issues. on it, weed. Except Let's for be- the agricultural weed. 
uh, we got a news release on weed earlier this week from, uh, I think, K-State Research and Extension, and I thought it was a this kind of weed, but no. Continue on the uh, weed that... <laughs> He's always promoting K-State Research. <laughs> and we love him for it. Yes. Um, well, Senate Federal and State Affairs handles uh, weed policy. Thank you. Um and uh, Senator Olson will not be chair. Instead, it will be Senator Mike Thompson, who is a fairly conservative Republican from Shawnee. Uh, his opinions on, mer- on medical marijuana legalization are much uh, cloudier. I talked with him today. He said he's not quite sure yet uh, where he's landing on the issue. He wants to do more research, but it, it seems like a potential uh, another potential complication particularly when when the Senate president has not been enthusiastic about the idea to date. You see, when you called uh, Mike Thompson fairly conservative, uh, I was just thinking back to the greatest hits from the anti-vaccine mandate committee and from the wind energy committee uh, meetings. Yeah, I mean, I admittedly, he, he, he is a... I think it's actually a climate change skeptic, and he led the Senate Utilities Committee, his former post, in, in that manner. So I was perhaps uh, uh, hedging a little bit. He's but. probably one of the legislature's most conservative members. But now, Rob, and, 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 Rob Olson is not exactly no, Rob liberal, Olson is so that's not, why not I tried a, to— Not a liberal at all, and, 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 and that's fine. I mean, the question, the question you get into with, with some of the legislature's most conservative members is— are they so conservative that they show libertarian tendencies and libertarians are just fine with weed? Um, and since we're talking about Mike Thompson, I'll just note that it's the Senator Mike Thompson from Johnson County, who is a Republican, not the house member from Johnson County, who is a Republican, who was also Mike Thompson. Yeah. That's I'm going to get a headache. I'm, I hope they, <laughs> I hope they look much different. Um, I I haven't met the new the new Mike Thompson. Well, the the old Mike Thompson looks like he just came from a TV set because he's well, a former he meteorologist. Was, he, he was a yeah, he was on television for decades. Um it'll be a busy week next week. It will be. And uh if you want to follow everything going on, uh you can mosey on over to cjonline.com. We will have uh, wall-to-wall session coverage on uh, on everything that might be of interest. If if you want a good subscription offer, uh, you can find my Twitter at CJ on. I'm sorry, that's our company's Twitter <laughs> at CJ Online. Uh, mine is at Jason underscore Tid. Uh, there is a not sure how much longer holiday offer where you can get a subscription for twenty three cents a week for the year, coming up to twelve dollars wow. for a full wow. year of digital. Access. That's that's a really that's a really can I end my subscription and then restart it for the <laughs> it, it is only for new customers. Oh, okay. Well I won't do that anyway. <laughs> well we appreciate it. But you can gift it to a friend, perhaps yes. who is in need of a capital journal subscription. In, in need of good information. And John, where can they find your work? Uh online or on twitter or what happened well uh, at twitter i am at apjd hannah online my stories are www.apnews.com backslash with the hand motion kansas with a capital k so that's where i am 
And if you want to listen to back episodes of Chillin' in the Well, what about you, Andrew? Oh, I'm at Andrew Ball, B-A-H-L. Yes. We want to make sure it's spelled correctly. The way you would spell it if you were a little too chill. Exactly. He, the correct spelling, I think Andrew would say. <laughs> well, if you want to listen to back episodes of Chillin' in the State And you House, do. And you do, because session's coming around, you want to get caught up, uh, you can do that anywhere podcasts are found, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Play, uh, or I really am trying on my New Year's resolution and getting them on cjonline.com. Uh, we are there. And, uh, and, and we're also working on... A system where you can get a microchip implanted at the base <laughs> of your brain and just run chilling in the state house in a continual loop. Is chilling in the state house in the metaverse? We should be. An alternate universe where the state house is we actually could, chill. We could have like a metaverse chilling in the state house room. Like people could come in into it could be, you know, it could have like people in parkas and stuff. I think I've, we've solved the cap journals. Uh, uh, Gannett's cash flow issues with this idea. John, I think you stay more on top of technology than anybody else. Can we Do get a, I? <laughs> can we get a Children in the State House NFT? I, I, you know, can it have us as superheroes? <laughs> yes, it can. <laughs> they make Christ- great Christmas gifts. They do. <laughs> so I'm told. They do. We need to start our own Bitcoin, right? Cryptocurrency. Chill coin. Chill coin. Yes, there it is. <laughs> Jason? Andrew. <laughs> John. <laughs> Andrew, Jason. Thanks for coming on. And uh, we'll, we'll, see you, we'll see you guys back here next week. How, what, what do you say to that? <clears throat> yeah, I, I could Same do that. time, same place? Yeah. Yeah, newly inaugurated Chilling in the State House. You heard it here first, folks. We'll meet you all back here. And in the meantime, have a great first week of session. We'll see you all down the road.